from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast, and I'm Perry. Hi, I'm MJ. Says Mark. Nice pregnant pause there. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell when you're smiling when you talk. Yeah. When I when the mic goes live, I go live. Yep. That's when the true. mic goes dead, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, actually, sometimes it is it interesting. It does occur that the, way, doesn't yeah, it? Sometimes yes. Sometimes the transformation is is pretty pretty uh, stark. Pretty stark. And I'm not talking about the Avengers. Right. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you, Perry. Lay it on me. As long ready? as it's not about you know what. It's not about you know what. Okay, go no. ahead. <laughs> Great. No, it's not about you know what. But it is kind of personal. So you can say, of course, you don't want to answer it. Of course. It. Um, you've lost a ton, shit ton of weight. Can you just, no, you don't want to talk about that? I'm getting a weird look. I'm debating whether or not I should make a really bad, tasteless joke. Uh-oh. But I'm not going to do that. No, I have. Good I've, call. I've lost, I've lost. Almost 30 pounds. Okay. And in how many days? In, in about 40 days. Right. Yeah, about 40 days. So about basically a pound a day, pretty much. So just two questions, motivation and method. Well, first of all, okay. he's missing a leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that damn thing was 30 pounds all by That's itself. Right. Um, Tell me about it. I have seven, I have two, I have a pair of seven and a half pound weights. I no, I, I, can't, I can't claim any responsibility for the results that have been produced in my body. My motivation has been, um, you know, I was in the Marine Corps when in the Marines, you're super fit and some, something happened after I got out and I just, I was not happy with the way I was looking in the mirror. Okay. And so, um, my motivation was, um, here I am 53 years old. I expect to live another 50 years old, 50 years. And that's not going to happen if I'm overweight. And so I decided to, quite a while ago, I had complaints about returning to my old Marine Corps physique, which I'm at right now. Right. And, but I didn't try to find a a way to do it. Well, my wife happened to come across after her little ballooning herself, she came across this thing called the HCG diet. Okay. Which is a hormone that comes from pregnant women's urine. Right. Are you familiar with it? I've heard it. Yeah, okay, so that's what we did—the yeah, HCG right. diet—and it's it's fantastic. Really? Yeah, it's it's so easy. It happens, and that's why I can't I can't claim any any responsibility for the results. It's all about these drops that you take. So, huh. but yeah, I'm back. I'm fitting in clothes that I couldn't fit in for the last twenty years or so. Well, the transformation is again. It's really fast, and you can tell. Like mm-hmm. what? I mean, even I can tell from week to week. I noticed last week, but then, you know, this week, yeah, it's, it, you look good. Thank you very much. So, no, you look really, really great. Thanks. You look fit. So, if that was your, if that was your overall uh, It was. Goal. And to feel good. I wanted to feel good. And I feel great. It's fantastic. Good. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. And then I have a question for Mark this morning. Yeah, I've done nothing. <laughs> no, what, what? No, no, no. What? We, uh, no, the show that actually aired this morning, I, you know, I listened to shows on my way in. The show that aired Thank this morning. Thank you for morning. being a listener. <laughs> the only. The only. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put comments later. <laughs> <I'm gonna> co- <laughs> 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 
four and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, you commented on the show that aired this morning that you had gone to prison mm. um, to hear some pitches. Yeah. And we t- so we said we were going to follow up with you. And so I'm a woman of integrity. So uh, <laughs> that was a <laughs> woman of something. <laughs> so that was several weeks ago, obviously. But um, do you want to tell us about that? Tell us about prison. Tell us about prison. <clears throat> I'm hot in my ears, yeah, turn, by the way. My, Are you hot? My, my Super hot and hissy sorry. in my ears. That's, mm, okay. How's that? That's better. way better. Okay, good. Um, so what's the name of the correctional facility I went to? Do you remember? Columbia. Uh-huh. Columbia uh, not Columbia Creek. It's Coffee it's Creek. Coffee Creek. That's the, the women's, women's one. The women's, yeah. women's one. Okay. This is the one that was over. Columbia. Columbia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. a correctional facility. Um, it's men's only. Men, men only. Right. Bunch of tiny houses in there. <laughs> They're called cells. Yes, exactly. Probably bigger than some tiny houses, I would imagine. Probably. I thought about it. But Well, we were thinking that one of the pitches might have been about tiny houses. Because when I had talked to the, the organizer that put together your visit, she had suggested that some of the prisoners, their entrepreneur ideas were around tiny houses. Mm-hmm. I think that has been in the past. That okay. wasn't any of the pitches that we heard. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was called, uh, the nonprofit that puts us together is called The Social Ignition. Mm-hmm. They may have changed the name recently, but that's what it was called. So I'm sure there's still a lot of legacy links online. And uh, they work with prisoners, um, usually six months or less, getting ready to get out of prison to to develop a business ideas so they can launch their startup oh, to get out okay. of prison. Cool. So we heard three different pitches, um, a lot of very interesting stuff. Um, obviously, she's done a lot of great work with them, um, but it's always a... An, when you're in the environment, kind of watching something like that, you kind of tend to forget where you're at. Mm-hmm. But getting in because people are people. People are people, right? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, but uh, some great, great people. And and again, everybody that's at that facility is uh, they're six months or less getting out of prison. Right. Like one of the guys that was on the pitch team was supposed to be gone that Monday, and it was Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Why the sound go up? It seems like it's gotten. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And we're hot again, and I'm hissing in my ears again. Hot and hissing. Hang okay. on a second. Hot and hissing again. Sound engineer, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's out of the studio, I see. <laughs> I don't know. No, it was weird, though, because you didn't touch anything. It I know, just organically... it just went up. Yeah. It was weird. The Are hot we show. there? Testing, one, two, three. I, th- I think I'm good, right? It's Are all looking, still it's all looking good on the VU meter. On your just in my head. Well, I can turn that down. How's that, guys? Yeah, that's much that's better. usually where it's at. Yeah. So. so it was hard to get into the prison. It is, because you got to go turn all your stuff in. You can't take anything in. You can't wear blue jeans because that's what the prisoners wear. So you got to wear something else. Yep. Oh, you got to go yeah. through the metal detector. Um, interesting. And um, what else? What else? I had to leave my, you know, gun so in the car. Minimum security, <laughs> maximum security. Uh, it's, it's considered minimum, I think. Right. So I've been in three prisons. Right. You know, I've been in that one. I've been in Sheridan, which is like a camp. You could literally walk out of. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then I've been in the Oregon State Pen, which right. has like seven levels yeah, of getting that, into yeah. it. That's yeah. the real deal yeah, right the there. Well, deal. that's, I, I was, because I've been to Coffee Creek, which is the women's prison, and we went into third layer maximum security. Mm. So talk about, again, difficult getting in. I, very short end, a very short story. After being in there for six hours, I couldn't wait to use the phone. Mm. Like, oh, I, wow. I like ran out and was like, I just want to use the phone because I can. Yeah. Like you realize that. And when we were done with our presentation that we did and we wanted to leave, they're like, no, you don't get to leave till we tell you to leave. Wow. Till we find you an escort. Till we clear you a path. 
till we make sure everybody's at the checkout gates. Like there was, it was extremely intimidating. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I've had the same thing inside where I was talking to some guys about some stuff after their pitches and I went to give them some information. So I went to grab my phone, which, right. which of course wasn't, wasn't there. there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and then, you know, they had pens, but so they were like writing down like the ear hustle podcast. Mm-hmm. They were jotting it down. But how they even get that, I don't know. Right. Yeah, there are a lot of things they obviously right. they don't, don't have, have access, access to. Either. So, yeah. Our next our mm-hmm. next guest is has a lot of experience being behind bars. Yep. But this one doesn't. <laughs> okay, I don't think. I was say, <laughs> le- not today. Listeners could take that one. Oh, <laughs> Kirsten. Okay. No, not <laughs> Kirsten. Not Kirsten. But the person yeah. we're going to speak to after Kirsten. Yeah, not yeah. today's guest though. And by the way, Mark, you kind of look like you're in the pen right now with the what your little orange shirt and your scruffy face. Dressing for the occasion. Kirsten, you there? I am here. Hi. She's <laughs> fed up with our bullshit. Right now. <laughs> no, just listening. <laughs> Most demeaning introduction ever. <laughs> it is. The, the, so, so I'm not behind bars. Yes. <laughs> it's the most non sequitur. <laughs> so, but um, Kirsten does have a lot of claim to fame in the tiny house movement. And maybe, pe- I don't know how much people may be aware of who you are more so than they are what you do because your shows are just so freaking amazing. So, yeah, yeah. So, so Kirsten Dirksen is the co-founder of an organization called Fair Companies. Um, she produces these, she's a YouTuber, essentially, and she produces these fantastic videos about, well, it's not just tiny house movement. It's, it's like all kinds of small space living. And we're going we're gonna to dive into her philosophy and her raisin de utre. Um, I don't <laughs> want to say that accurately because she's from Harvard and I might get it wrong and I don't want her to think I'm oh, some <laughs> dirty, scruffy, masses kind of guy. <laughs> if she's heard the show, she already knows. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I think we've already dispelled that notion <laughs> or confirmed it. I'm not sure. Whether. <laughs> so... so um, there are so many directions we can go with you, Kirsten. So let's just let's just jump in and say and ask. Um, what tell, brings you to this lowly place? No. Yeah, what, how did <laughs> how did you how did you discover um, your calling to be a YouTuber? Oh God! Wow, that's um, I I fell into it. I think. Um, well, I started. I worked in television. Actually, I can go back to college. I studied economics because I just thought, oh, that applies to everything. You can look at <laughs> countries and whatever. So. Uh, politics. Um, I don't know. I was really lost, to be honest. That's the sign that I was kind of. Uh, so I got out of college, and the options were, you know, consulting, investment banking, those kind of things, which mm-hmm. I thought, no, okay, I don't want to do any of that. So, um, so I went home and um, to live with my parents for a while, and uh, and then I then I slowly got into television. I started interning. I was a production assistant. I actually started the MVC affiliate in San Francisco when there was probably over two hundred interns. And I just stuck along around the longest. <laughs> they finally hired me for five dollars an hour. And I went to the documentaries theme. unit, which was kind of was pretty neat because there was a really good local programming department there. It was um, privately owned and operated by the uh, original founders of the San Francisco Chronicle, so they had huh. funding for stuff. So hmm. they actually had two people on on staff that were documentarians, and um, I just hung around them and learned a lot. Um, and then I worked for a teen show, and then. Um, met a good friend who went to work for Oxygen, which was going to be the latest oh, yeah. sort of this great, supposedly this, you know, amazing network. 
for women, which uh, turned out to be really interesting, but didn't really take off like that. So everyone got laid off after about a year, which meant that there was plenty of places, plenty of friends sort of that had to go everywhere else. Kind of the best thing that can happen to you actually in television is that, you know, the network sort of lays everyone off because everyone goes over the other places and then they um, will hire you freelance. And so I did that for a while, which was kind of great. And um, one of my freelance gigs was with the Sundance channel and I was in Spain, which is uh, where I ended up meeting my husband. So this does lead to how I left television, left New York city where I was living um, to live in Barcelona. And uh, that's when I was doing freelance work, but I was, we also kind of wanted to do a, sort of more of a passion project. It was really my husband's idea to start fair companies, which was, um, you know, much, much, much bigger than tiny houses when you sort of introduced me that way, but it's also changed a lot. You know, yeah. it started off when we were, it was at the time, it was about 2006. We started talking about it maybe 2004, 2005, back when, um, you know, idea of doing simple living, um, clean living, healthy living. I mean, I don't want to say green, but we, that was sort of one of the things. But now that's so, 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 you know, 2007. Um, <laughs> so it's just morphed, you know. I think at the beginning I was probably a lot preachier um, mm. and thinking, well, here's something good you can <laughs> do for yourself and the planet. And, you know, if you look at some old videos, they're probably still on there in really, really um, low quality format. Because at the time, you know, back in 2007, when I first started uploading videos or 2006, um, they, you know, you couldn't really, their bandwidth was bad. And also just how much you could upload, even to YouTube. I was really, I think I started in 2007 on YouTube, which is about when it started. Um, but they're all really bad quality for that reason. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, to get to tiny houses, which is still a portion of what I do. I mean, it's become a, it's probably the most popular ones are tiny houses mm -hmm. and, um, but not all. I mean, I also have things on like hydroponics mm -hmm. and, um, you know, uh, aquaponics or, or, you know, different things, you know, fish farming and, and that kind of thing. So that have done really, you know, or I don't know, a greenhouse home that's really big in stock outside of Stockholm where they, well, they put a sort of a big greenhouse over their house to be sort of more efficient and so one. it could be i mean a lot of things um mm -hmm. apply which is a great thing about being a youtuber not working on televisions i can choose um which i like so um and i fall into stories a lot too because i'm sort of traveling somewhere going somewhere and um so i guess the first official sort of tiny house person was jay shaper so a good place to start um back in 2000 i don't know nine eight so somewhere in there um, because he happens to live near my parents and, um, I'd read about him in the paper and I thought, Oh, he's really nearby. What is, this looks fun. And, um, so that got me started. And then I kept finding things in that area as well. Cause they're sort of from Santa Rosa area, mm -hmm. Santa Rosa, California, which is North, which is North of San Francisco for people that know, um, about 90 miles North. And, um, there was, uh, a lot, like there are a couple, a, a couple tiny house people, um, and then I finally did one. Actually, I read the local paper about a 16-year-old who had built his, his Austin Hay had built mm -hmm. his own home. Mm -hmm. Did that story. And um, so, and then, but before that, actually, after Jay Schaefer, one of the, one of the ones about sort of falling into stuff is, um, you know, I thought, oh, this is, this idea, I was going to a friend's wedding in New York City because I wasn't living there anymore. And I thought, you know, one story people haven't done that much of is, tiny apartments, like little micro studios. And I'd gotten the idea, actually, even just to call it a micro studio, because in, in Spain, I'd, I'd been reading some stuff 
and they call them micro pisos and um, like micro apartment. Um, but I don't think they've been using that as much. And so, and I hadn't heard as much. I think you hear it more in Europe where people live in apartments more. So I sort of fished out Felice Cohen. Um, I don't know where I found her, but, um, you know, kind of gave her a random email and, um, and then met up and then she was the first really viral video. Hers went, um, everywhere, you know, first was Gawker that picked it up. And then, you know, my, my sister-in-law in Italy said, ah, you're, it's on the homepage of La Repubblica and somebody else in some other country, you know, and it's funny to actually have that happen. So that went everywhere. And then finally did about Good Morning America. And, um, so that's my long, long, long story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why do you do, why did you and your, um, is it your husband or your, how do you describe it? Partner? Husband, yeah, husband. no, we're married. Yeah. Okay. It makes it easier. Yeah, it does. Different. We're, we're different nationalities. So it makes it a lot easier. Uh, of course. I get all the paperwork. I yeah, can be yeah. legal here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> why did you decide to call your, or your company fair companies? What's the story behind that? Um, because, uh, at the time, you know, it, at the time we were looking a lot too at people who were, um, even selling things that were, you know, green or environmentally friendly and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I guess that's why, you know, to be honest, it was so long ago. I can't even tell you what we went through, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, you know, now sometimes it applies, sometimes it doesn't, but it's sort of a broad thing. I mean, it's not, um, yeah. Got it. So your first interview um, was with Jay Schaefer. That was one of the first books that I ever read in the tiny house movement. It's kind of like, we start, you know, where it's, it, it's kind of like the logical place to start. But, um, so you interviewed Jay Schaefer, you, you toured his house because he was local. Can you, do you remember your personal, your first impression, your first, um, emotional, um, yeah. I mean, were you, were you, had you interviewed so many people by that point? It was just kind of another quirky thing no. or did you have, no, no, no. what was your reaction? Actually- yeah, I mean, I thought two things. I mean, first, you can't help thinking it's so cute. I mean, mm-hmm. The first time you see sort of a gabled roof, roof, tiny house, you know, we've all seen tiny houses, but I think Jay was the first one to sort of put that gabled roof on it and make it so storybook looking. Um, so, so I do think he was one of the first to really engage sort of the national, make it a national conversation a little bit because, you know, people had always lived in, I actually think my first tiny house might've been um, Bakari who lives, was living in an RV in Oakland. Um, and he would just, he was just someone who would sometimes help out and blog on our, on our, um, site. So that might actually predate Jay, but Jay was the first one to be sort of in the official movement when I say Jay was the first one. So I don't right. want to, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I'd say that was part of it. And maybe the other part particularly was, um, his story was interesting because it was such a choice, um, that he, you know, had, uh, grown up in a big home, a really big home and, you know, didn't like cleaning that big space and didn't like, you know, I'm not sure if you talk about heating and any of that stuff, but, um, so he'd made, it was a really conscious choice. It wasn't just because it was sort of the cheapest way to go or something. And so that for me was interesting because it got into philosophy of life, which I think is really the reason I do stories is I get to ask people about the big questions. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. You're, you're, I've, I've watched a number of your videos and I'm going to get back to those in a minute, but one of the, what I notice at the end of your videos is there's always somehow you get people to talk about their philosophy of life. And every video that I've seen of yours ends with this really choice nugget of that, that speaks to the intangible value these people are getting from living the way they live. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to be a formula. I'm always throwing it at the end, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> um, you know, I think it pro- you could probably go back to, to Thoreau in a way, right? Like he was the, the first one, um, well, I don't know if he's the first one to make a conscious choice to move into something small. I'm not even, I don't want to say that's what he was doing, but he was living in something small and he was making a conscious choice to examine his life. So that's the part I like, you know, that um, a lot of times people who are making these choices are stopping to think about how they're living their lives um, and stopping to, you know, uh, what's his famous quote, not wanting to get to the end of your life and realizing that you haven't really looked at it, you know, and Mm -hmm. examined it. Um, and I think, you know, that maybe we all were, but I'm not sure all of us were, you know, at a time in our lives, um, and I, that we had these sort of existential moments, you know, and I think I probably had more, you know, at late high school and college years or twenties, um, now, but I still think about stuff a lot and over-examine and well, my family would say I overanalyze everything. Um, but you know, for me, that's just a really essential part of life is what, um, what I think, you know, even there was a time, you know, it's sort of fun to look back even at like ancient philosophers. If you look back at like ancient Greek and Roman Stoics or something, or the time when the Stoics were big and there was different schools of philosophy people would choose. And that was part of living, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't, now we don't really have that. We're not, you know, deciding which philosophers we're going to study with or talk with or, or how we're going to, or we don't so much, at least, you know, I think, you know, it's out there and I think people are rediscovering some of that. And sometimes that's how the, how maybe the internet can be helpful in those things, but I wouldn't say that's, um, that's sort of just part of our culture. And I like that stuff. So, yeah, um, I mean, you're certainly contributing <laughs> to that kind of conversation with your videos. So you said something a minute ago about your your background, about your penchant for being focused on this. I'm I'm really curious. Uh, let me also add that you sent me a blog about um, your family. Your, your I think it's your parents living in this hyper tight. Um, uh, what do you call those things when you live in a community and they require you to live a certain uh, way? Oh, okay. right. It- what are those? Not HOAs. ACAs. H- when HOAs. They call it. HOAs. Yeah. Yeah. Is that HOAs. it? Yes, yes, yes. They yes. Do. And, yeah. and so, and, and so there's a, I may be reading into your comments, Kirsten, but I, I get a sense that there's some, a level of angst in your background that had you kind of from the very beginning explore this part. And now it has become like this, this very important part of who you are. Can you talk a little bit about where, well, where actually, this comes from? Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't grow up where my parents, like maybe you're talking about the summer family love documentary and you can see at the beginning that they're living in cookie cutter houses. But, but actually that's, you have to be 55 and older to live there. So Mm -hmm. that's their retirement Mm -hmm, (laughs) um, mm -hmm. house, you know, which they, everyone and all of my brothers and sisters sort of make fun of them for living there. And they say, well, they sort of, my aunt was living there and they sort of fell into it. And now they kind of say, oh yeah, we probably will still move, but my dad's 84 now. And I mean, it's sort of a joke. I think they actually like it because, you know, it's really easy for them to get out and see people their age or I don't know. And I, you know, I, there's probably, they're probably conflicted, you know, um, it, it, but uh, there are community events and stuff. So, you know, I understand why people like some of that stuff, but it's also, um, well, it's part of what constrains people who want to try alternative living situations. And it's what I hear in a lot of the stories is, you know, when I, talk to people who want to live in a tiny house and it's not legal and that's why they put on wheels and, and, or, you know, and so all the different things and and dealing with 
um, uh, you know, granny units and ADUs and uh, that type of thing is, you know, whether it's legal or not and communities debating that. And, you know, I've done some stories where, um, you know, even in North Carolina, someone filmed for me and she went to a lot of the meetings where they talked about that. And it's interesting to listen. I listened through all the people, you know, um, talking about the pros and the cons. And, you know, it's easy to think, oh, why wouldn't you want that? And then you get people who, you know, they're definitely always two sides, I guess. I guess they're all two sides. Maybe these days you shouldn't say that. But, um, <laughs> but you know, sometimes you can be sympathetic. But I have to say, I... <laughs> I'm usually not sympathetic. <laughs> even with ADUs, which are not quite as, you know, key. Well, I, I just think um, it's funny because, you know, being in Europe, I realize I think that Americans, we have, uh, we're not as used to living around other types. Like I think about my apartment in Barcelona where we were living for 10 years. And um, there's, I don't know what you call it when it's sort of like um, government housing. There's all these words for different countries, but you know, where people are who um, I get help and are living in an apartment. And there was one right behind our house. And that was <laughs> such a fun thing to watch because people cycle through a little bit and there was balconies and we would watch the different people who were living there and, you know, different languages they were speaking or, you know, where they're from. We'd kind of try to invent their stories. And um, that was just part of living in, um, you know, and that happens maybe more in cities, but so for an example of where that's not working in, in, in us right now is where I'm from Silicon Valley. And, um, you know, there's a huge housing crisis and they're not dealing with it. They, people are sort of protecting their assets. So the people who are living there don't want, you know, they don't want to build more and they're, and a lot of them are liberal and they're saying quote unquote liberal that that means, but, um, and they're saying, you know, well, it's, um, anti-growth. So we don't want people to come in and build more. Um, or build higher or build more dense or, you know, and, and, you know, a couple things recently that, that have just really, really gotten, uh, frustrated me were one was a, the Cupertino school district actually had some property and they wanted to build teacher housing. And that was controversial huh. teacher housing. You know, we're not even talking about the homeless it, and, and it was fought and, and they backed down they said, okay, we won't do it. And the neighbors said, you know, it's just, it just wasn't right. And you hear, you know, you'd see, read the newspaper article and no, no, it just, so people were complaining about teacher housing. They don't want, it's maybe because they don't want apartments because we're, I, again, I think that a lot of places in the U.S. were not used to apartments. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, San Jose, which is also right there. This is also in the news recently. And they want to try to build like tiny homeless village and, you know, one of the, the quotes in one of the newspaper articles I was read, reading is uh, a woman who said, oh, I'm an advocate for the homeless, but I just not right here. You know, I live here. There's kids who live here. I thought, you know what she said? Magic she word. said, I think they should do it somewhere where there are no children. <laughs> so it's, you know, she's an advocate so for the homeless, but not in my backyard. Yeah. It's the not my backyard that is just really making things dysfunctional, at least in Silicon Valley and I think other parts of the country. So I get, so you're like, really, it's so funny because you're, you are, I guess it's because you're so professional in your, in your programs, you are almost 100% absent. Unexistent. Yeah. Yeah. But you <laughs> have got some opinions, my friend. And so my, my question um, is where does all this come from? It, it, 
what was your, you know, it sounds like, you know, you went to, and, and I'm not picking on you at all. No, it's fine. Pick on me. Go okay. ahead. No, it's, seriously. It sounds like, it sounds like you've, you've come from a pretty well-to-do family. You went to yeah. Harvard. Yeah. You had yeah. this really great experience, but, but you, yeah. you said you were lost. And so you changed direction. Um, yeah. where, where was there some point in your life where you just said, you know, what the hell am I doing and what the hell are we doing? And then decided to try and do something about it. Well, you know, I wouldn't say I had one moment. I think for me, I just am not, I was never that comfortable in the place I was at. I mean, you know, I didn't really like school. <laughs> I mean, I went to Harvard, but I didn't like school. You know, I, I kind of figured out the system. <laughs> I actually, I actually have a friend from Harvard who, um, she's, she's so funny. She figures out the system. So she decided she wanted to be a top gun pilot. And wow. she was so good at figuring out the system that she got in. But then she said she didn't really want to be a top gun pilot. She just wanted to see if she could get in. You know, so, you know, but, um, but I do think there's part of that. I think in, you know, the Ivy Leagues and that kind of thing, you, you get it, you sort of figure out the system. Um, and you, that's, and that's what I did. I wasn't just, this, I wasn't the smartest person or the, you know, any of that. Um, and I think, but for me, I've always questioned a lot. And I think um, mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I got a great education and that's not anyone else's fault. That's not, I'm not blaming it on any schools I went to, whatever. That was just because I don't think I learned that well in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I could do everything. I could get the grades. I could do it. I could do the system. But I, as far as getting a good education, I mean, for me, that's the philosophy I've talked about. That's like, you know, analyzing how everything fits together and how it fits together into your life and into the world and into that. And that part of the equation. Wow. I was... Like I came out of college really naive mm. and I didn't, you know, I didn't, I had just experienced a lot of the world or um, thought about it that much. You know, I, I've been sort of, sort of stuck in my mind, but I was uncomfortable with what it meant to just kind of keep following that path mm. that I was uncomfortable with the idea of just trying to go into a consulting or into, uh, you know, a, a nine to five, not nine to five. That's, that's be too short hours, but you know, uh, six to, to 12 midnight, you know, kind of job that like people from maybe would studied economics were going into. Yeah. Um, or I was comfortable with sort of the, you know, the, 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 the that mold, the, the status quo, I don't know what you want to say, but, um, so yeah, so I did, but those were little small steps that little by little, I mean, going into television isn't exactly radical, but, um, but it wasn't anything anyone might, I'd seen in my family or people I knew really well. I mean, I, in a way, I think doing anything kind of creative, I think was a bit because I kind of, I didn't think I should maybe do something kind of practical or, you know, I wanted to pay the rent and, you know, be responsible that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I do think it's little steps. I yeah. think everything was little steps. Awesome. So yeah. can we talk a little bit about um, this, your scope of work? I'm going to do what's yeah. referred to as a famous Michelle question. So it's a multi-part question. You get out your pencil and <laughs> make notes oh, as I walk through. So uh, again, as a matter of scope, for instance, the Tiny House podcast, we've recorded 120 plus episodes. And even though we are intimately involved in the Tiny House industry and... Well, one of us is. <laughs> us true. other two are not that's true L just less intimately yes, i'm intimately you're yeah. less intimately you're in the involved. bedroom we're in like the living room <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but even at that our perception of the tiny house movement has significantly changed from show one to, mm -hmm. to this conversation would you agree with that Perry? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then um also i think that um you know we each have sort of embraced certain aspects of it that really make sense for us and mm -hmm. 
rejected others. So my question for you is... I'm looking for the nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> still looking They're for still the nuggets? still looking for nuggets. Is that why you're still here? <laughs> <laughs> so my question is about scope. So how many total videos have you done? Of those total videos, really how many have been really focused on small spaces? And then the really the, the crux of the question is, how has it influenced you or your um, philosophy? You kind of went into this with a, with this simple living, like you call it, you know, cliche green living philosophy. But how has how has your work and the scope of your work influenced your your personal living philosophy? <laughs> okay. Well, I just had to go online to find out how many videos I've done. Eight hundred fourteen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, but as I said, some of those probably are really low quality. I don't know. You want to you know kind of search back to where I'm looking in our worm bag with my friend Su Chin, who was the one who who, who brought me to oxygen in the first place. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> you know, like we had this worm bag, worm composting, but it was a bag because we were apartment living. So we just sort of shoved it in a closet. Um, and, uh, you know, so back in those days, I was doing stories like fermenting your own bread and growing your own ferment. And I was, you know, I had my daughter is now 10 and she was probably two or one and a half sitting on the counter. We we're trying to create a ferment. And, you know, those are the kind of stories I still do slightly. I mean, I have done some fermented but people more less probably sort of less dirty and more um, people who are yeah you know looking a little further along than I am. But you know even a couple of years ago I was in Japan and I did something on forest bathing which I really like which is you know the Japanese have um, they call it shinrin yoku and it's like oh, we just call it naked shower park. outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, actually they're not usually naked, but you know you could be. Um, but it's you know the, the idea that. Um, being in the forest really uh, uh, helps you. And, and it, actually, I interviewed a scientist. I mean, it really, you know, it, it raises your uh, killer NK cells. What are those? And the, the killer cells, they fight cancer. Uh, T cells? TK, NK, NK cells, I think. I they're not T cells. They're NK, natural, natural killer cells. Ah. Yeah. Um, and it does that. It lowers, it like helps with obesity. It helps with uh, so many things like he touched on and he's done a lot of studies and a lot of it's from the natural essential oils that come from the trees and there's certain essential oils that are the best. And, mm. um, and, you know, but it's a mix of things. There's other things that come from as well. And, um, even, uh, ideas of like soft fascination and being in nature. And so anyway, there are stories that I still continue to do that are not at all related even to housing, which I really like. And, um, so I keep trying to, you know, explore, you know, I want to keep evolving. And I think um, there's a lot of people doing tiny house videos now, yeah. so I don't need to be doing so many tiny house videos. Um, sometimes I just find them and I keep doing them because I, oh, wow, like the last story I posted this week, literally we were having a picnic, we were on a road trip and having a picnic with my kids and my daughter said, look, there's a tiny house on the street right there. We were in Sisters, Oregon <laughs> oh, wow. after leaving Sun River, or the family vacation in Sun River, where I see all my five brothers and sisters get together, they live all over the place. And... Um, and so I said, oh, I thought maybe it was a coffee cart or something. I went over to check it out. And these people who um, were actually having an open house and they built it and they had this kind of crazy story where they've lived. They've been t living tiny for since I think the 80s. Wow. And they've lived in Mongolia. You're in Mongolia. They've lived in, hmm. uh, you know, salmon fishing. They lived in a tent in Alaska. I mean, for years. So I thought, oh, God, this is a great story. I mean, and I can't say I filmed it. It wasn't the best mm -hmm. <laughs> filming job um 
because I was really tired and had to be somewhere else that night. And it was already like six at night. And I was just thinking, oh, just kind of, uh, and, you know, but I, you know, so I fall on stories a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to keep telling new stories and, um, you know, and that might, yeah, be completely different. I don't even know where things will go. And sometimes I just fall into stuff and mm. I have ideas and sometimes they're hard stories to tell visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, tiny houses are really easy stories to tell visually. So I kind of, you know, I'm lazy and I'll do that. But mm-hmm. some of the really hard ones probably that I want, I still want to do and I'm still thinking about it. It might take me a few more years to kind of certain ones, but hopefully I'll get there. Um, so, and, yeah. So there's more to that question, right? Well, again, at the risk of... <laughs> It was three parts. Mm. It was three part question again. Okay, so well, let's last part. No, I forgot. I should have taken notes. Like, it's okay. <laughs> everybody, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody does that too. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, no, the 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 crux of the question is: To what extent has your filming of tiny houses influenced mm. your overall philosophy? Um, have you moved from a four thousand square foot house into a four hundred? You know, like some people yeah. have really, really they have epiphany like moments. Um, and, uh, to what extent has the involvement or your filming of the tiny houses influenced your, your philosophy on life? You know, to be honest, I don't think as much as reading. I think, you know, I try to keep reading. I don't have a lot of time for it, but, um, different, I don't know, even from like, I love theoretical physics and the the way people, it doesn't seem like it would relate, but it kind of does. <laughs> I'm not going to try to stretch the metaphor too much of, of, of quantum physics and, you know, or something. <laughs> oh, or please that. do. But, you know, or philosophers, philosophers probably more. Um, uh, when I have time, I mean a little, usually second secondary sources, I can't say. I, but, um, or just, just reading anything. I can get my hands on that, you know, great long read articles and things. Because I do think, you know, that's where, I, I don't, I actually am not convinced that video is the best place to really learn. Um, and I make videos. So, you know, I think it can get people interested in topics. I think that's great. And I think it's great escape. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if you really, really want to uh, change your philosophy of life, I'm not sure I would go to videos. Um, I think I why is that. Why is that? Uh, because I think you're going to get because they're short, you know, people complain mm. that my videos are too long. I still think they're short, really? you know, 20 minutes and still three minutes is short. Well, not short. Well, yes. And also because maybe you don't leave enough to the imagination. I think you, you have to personalize your story. Your everybody's story is going to be different. And, you know, I guess that's the fear. You know, I've walked into stories lately and this is where I feel like sometimes I think, Oh, maybe I'm doing too many, but I've walked into stories lately and I feel like I'm being quoted things that I've already edited into an interview. And so I'm wondering, I know I just, I don't want people to just watch videos and then try to copy that life. And mm. I sometimes get that feeling. Mm. Um, no, I mean, you know, not always. And there are some people and maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I think, you know, that's my, that's the thing I have with sort of being a movement, a tiny house movement is that things have to get really codified. And I think, you know, it's really dangerous to start saying, Oh, it's better to live tiny and it's bad to live big. You know, I grew up in a pretty big house and actually I think we used our house. So there are five brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And honestly, my mom invited everyone to live in our house. She actually invited someone what she met at a bus station to come live in our house for a few months. And she did. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, I don't think, I think that you have to be careful about one demonizing certain things or saying, you know, you're going to probably just turn people off, you know? And I think also we all have different needs at different times in our life. I think, you know, when you're single, I think 
small is great. And sometimes you need a family small is great. I mean, I think right now we're probably living in probably too big of a space and it's drafty and we never turn the heat on because I don't want to waste energy. And we're just freezing. And I'm trying to think about like buying a snowsuit <laughs> that can wear around while I'm editing. <laughs> Literally. No, it's so cold that I, I get something in my chest every winter. And I'm I just, so we'll probably move back into an apartment this summer. Um, but, you know, we wanted to have a house experience. So we're doing that. And there's a little yard and we're shoving the kids out. And we say, we have a yard. We're probably not going to have forever. Go use the yard. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, yeah, I mean, do I think that there's some sort of like American suburban dream that I uh, am railing against or something? Maybe a little bit. Yes. I don't think we all should be dreaming about having a yard and a house and all that. But I don't think you also have to demonize it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah. <laughs> so, so Kirsten, I've got a I've got a question yeah. about your vid the the way the process you do your videos. So in two two videos that I really liked about yours, and and maybe I know you've done eight hundred, so you may not remember these, but one was a guy who had built a, what looks like a tiny house on a a really small barge, and he was cruising up and down with his little motor up this river, doing an art some sort of an art project, and then the other he was interviewing people as part of an art project. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. And, yeah. And then the other one was a guy in San Francisco who was building completely out of wood, what looks like a submarine, but he was calling it some sort of a pod so that if California was flooded, his family would be able to get in this thing and it would float him out somewhere. I think that's yeah. what he was doing. Yeah. Before. So my, well, well, no, 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 actually that's, but no, good question. Well, I'll get back to that. Sorry. Okay. What's your question? So my question, <laughs> my question is, do you follow up with these kooks and try to figure out what the hell are they doing? <laughs> well, you know, um, the, yeah, good question. I do sometimes, some people, I, I actually stay in great contact with others as much. Um, I haven't talked to the, so the guy building the, what looked like an ark or something in his backyard, I haven't followed up with, I've looked at his blog a little bit. I should go back with him and he's great. And I really liked him. And, and you know what? He wasn't trying to, he realized that nothing, no tsunami was probably going to hit Palo Alto and it wasn't for him. It actually was because he lived in Japan. And so he knew people that had been affected by the tsunami and he had worked in, I think he was at PayPal or something. So he was in not that that's so related, but he's in Silicon Valley. What so people try to come up with stuff, and he had, could take could admit, you know take time off work for a year or two, and so he was doing that and um, just trying to to sort of um, just rather than doing it on paper, he was doing it with wood, kind of um, workshopping ideas about something you could live in, tsunami proof, small space. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of negative comments on that people making fun of that, that he wasn't doing it on paper. I don't know what they're criticizing. I mean, that, that's, I guess that's YouTube or online. You know, it's going to get people yeah. criticizing, but, um, but no, I mean, that was never his thing. He would just wanted to, to see if he could come up with something. And his way of doing it was in a physical manner, mm. which I think is a lot of the stories I do. People are playing with stuff. They're all playing with ideas and they're adventuresome and they're actually making things, which I think is mm. really cool. Yeah. You know, they're not always, yeah. you know authentic people yeah so um and then the guy in the shanty boat i haven't followed up with but i know that because i just filmed him last summer uh well summer ago a year or so ago but um he does something every summer i believe different places and he um yeah but he lives on him he really does and he really seems to enjoy it i mean I think he really from the sense i got because i was there and they're frying up their bacon and, <laughs> and pulling out this and they were you know i he really seemed to be having a good time so um yeah, those are the neat stories, you know, where I don't feel, where I do feel like they're, these, those are two examples of people just doing their own thing and not actually trying, copying something that they saw online and trying to live. They're actually, actually not at all. And those are the stories I love. Yeah, yeah. 
you do um so we got time for one more question maybe so when yeah. you when you um when you're in the studio and you're putting this these stories together you 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 had mentioned i can tell you're a professional because you mentioned early on that you don't want to create this formula but it does seem it there there are moments in your shows where these people wax philosophically and yeah. so when you, when you're <laughs> so when you when you put these things together are you it sounds like you're trying or at least it looks like when I watch your shows that you are trying to get those messages out. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 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 Yes. Okay. I do, I, uh, yeah. What? I do think you're right. That, okay. that, um, yeah. Well, is it because of the fact that we try to create, um, even in our, in a, even in our own creative brains, when we think about having something that people want to listen to or want to return to, don't we want to sort of put a format together or something that they can learn to expect? Like there's, there's that, you know, there's that fine line between being predictable and being consistently inspirational. Oh, <laughs> Good someone one. write that Good down. One, yes. <laughs> I'll record that when I start to record the yeah, show. Tonight. Maybe. I mean, I, I guess I don't want to feel like I'm just turning out eye candy or something, right. you know, give other people's eye candy. No, that's what mine, we're doing. But, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Eye candy for your ear yeah, holes. You, but personally, you want to feel like, I guess when I'm watching and rewatching and fixing sound and whatever, I want to feel inspired by the videos that I'm rewatching. And, you know, I, for me too, like, and I love what some people have to say about their philosophy of life yeah. and all that. And so, you know, I'm, I don't want to be flippant. I mean, I do think I learned from what some people say. There's some stuff that sticks with me. You know, I'm not saying um, that, that I don't hear from some people and think, wow, or I see stuff. And I think, uh, there was a guy in Oregon who's living in an underground home. And I kind of, when I went, I was thinking, this guy, it's got to be a gimmick. There's no way. I mean, it'll be interesting. Let's check it out. But no, I mean, it's, he's so authentic. He really seems to love living there. And it was so interesting talking to him. And I think, and you get a sense that, you know, of how little he really needs um, and how much he seemed to be thoughtful about his own life and, and having the time to think about his life and, 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 and those moments he'd carved for himself and, and silence in his life and being in touch, truly in touch with nature. And so those people I learned from. Very nice. Well, Kirsten, it's been fabulous talking with you. It's the time just flew by. Yeah. It like. Yeah. Always amazing. So um, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I know it was, it was a little difficult negotiating the time distance and all that, but we really appreciate you being on and uh, we sure. love hearing your story. Yeah. Great the work. next time you're in Oregon again, which sounds like happens on occasion, yeah. please uh, come see us in the studio. When's the next okay. time you're back? I don't know. Okay. I usually try to go back um, every summer to see family. So, but I'm, well, they're not in Oregon, but yeah, I'll see. Okay. Well, listeners, you've heard that another interesting story on the Tiny House podcast. Be sure to check in next week because we have another guy. He's sitting outside the studio right oh, now, um, ready to be interviewed. And he's going to be a hoot as well. Uh, Rick McNerney, thank you so much for the work you do behind the scenes to make us sound better than we actually are. Yeah, good luck with the beginning part of this show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got some hissing, we got Ooh, some hot shit going on. Okay, thanks, Rick. Bye, everybody. Namaste. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>